praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, I am glad that I'm clear. I hope you can all hear me well. Super, yes. Okay, thank you so much um, for the prayer, Esther. You have prayed well and you have prayed into the message. We bless the name of the Lord. I thank all those who are on call for joining us this evening. I am humbled to be ministering to each and every one of you. And I know that you'll go away with a message today. Your lives will not remain the same. And if you're going through a crisis, the Lord will speak to you through this message. My name is Tina, as I've been introduced. And um, I'm a counseling psychologist and also a teacher. It is a privilege for me to talk about crisis, but to talk about it in the Christian context under the title of The Presence of Christ in Crisis. Our main portion of scripture will be coming from the book of Acts, chapter 7, and we'll be focusing on verses 54 to 60, but also we'll use a number of portions of scripture for reference. What has the Lord blessed upon my heart this evening for you? First and foremost, I know that crisis is common, even to Christians. Crisis is not exclusive to the non-believers. Even us as Christians, we, we do go through crisis. What is our definition of crisis? Um, I would say that our definition of crisis varies depending on perception, depending on what we are going through, and depending on what we have gone through in the past. Sometimes what is a crisis for one family might not be a crisis for another family. Sometimes what is a crisis for one country might not be a crisis for another country. Esther, please let me know when my network is a bit poor. Oh, we can hear you. Thank you. So for this session, we will define crisis as unavoidable events in our lives which may be expected or unexpected. Um, they are actual and they have the potential to disrupt our lives. They also have the potential to threaten us and to overwhelm, to overwhelm us in, in one way or another. When someone is facing crisis, uh, his or her usual problem-solving abilities cease to function and tension arises. And um, in counseling, we may look at quite a number of crises crisis that arise, which could be of losses, 
could be in the area of losing a loved one, could be sickness, could be confusion, it could be war, it could be any form of chaos that we go through as individuals. One thing I know about crisis is that we, we are never prepared for it. And even when we think we are prepared, we are not always as prepared as we think we are when the crisis occurs. So it is important for us to put our trust in Christ because he knows it all and he's above all things. Getting into our main discussion, let us put Stefan's life into context. And uh, before we do that, we'll go a little bit back into Act 6. How does Stefan become famous? Why is he a point of concern to his enemies? Because at this point in life, the Christians are prospering. Great things are happening in their midst. And the, and the number of followers had grown. But there was, there was a shortage of service. There were few, few people to help out. So the 12 disciples decided to appoint seven young men as potential helpers. And this is how Stefan is elected alongside others. Uh, verse 5 and 6 of Act 6. The congregation thought that this was a great idea. So they went ahead and chose seven young men to assist in the Christian service. Among these was Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. There was Philip, there was Prochorus, Nicano, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas. So that is how Stephen steps out to serve the Lord. And um, when you read on that portion of scripture in Acts chapter 6, verse 8 specifically singles out Stephen and it says he was brimming with God's grace and energy. He was doing wonderful things among the people unmistakable signs that God was among them. So I can say that Stephen was at the peak of his ministry, but also at the beginning of his ministry. But lo and behold, some men from the meeting place whose membership was made up of freed slaves, Cyrenians, Alexandrians and some others from Cilicia and Asia went up against him trying to argue him down. But the Bible says they were no match for his wisdom 
And in verse 11, they say, so in secret, they bribed men to lie. And as Act 6 is closing, they, 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 they put a, a lot of charges on him. They say we had him cursing Moses and God. That brings us to our portion for today. Stefan has been smeared with lies. And this group of this group of men has succeeded in dragging him before the council. In our day-to-day -day lives, this would be equivalent to a court, most probably. So imagine being to explain something, some loss of something, or something has been has been pinned on you. But but it is known that you're innocent. And you're the only one who knows that you're innocent because these men had risen up against Stefan and, well, he was being accused falsely. If this has happened to you before, I am sure it was a difficult time for you. That while you were busy prospering, someone laid a net for you and they were working hard to pull you down. But sometimes our crisis is different. It may not necessarily be in regard to being dragged to a court or before a board. Act 7, our portion, which is 54 to 60, they say at this point, they, they went wild. The mob went wild, a rioting mob of catcalls and whistles, invective. But Stefan, full of the Holy Spirit, had been noticed. He only had eyes for God, whom he saw in all his glory, with Jesus standing at his side. He said, oh, I see heaven wide open, and the Son of Man standing at God's side. Verse 57 to 58, yelling and hissing, the mob drowned him out. Now in full stampede, they dragged him out of town and pelted him with rocks. We now know how Stefan comes to be the, the, amongst the first sons. The ringleaders took off their coats and asked a young man named Saul to watch them. 59 to 60, we see Stefan saying his last words. But prior on in Act 7, <clears throat> Stephen had challenged the court leaders to whom he was presented, and he had given them the chronicles of Israel and how Israel's enslavement in Egypt had led to their release later on when the Lord had walked with them. So Stephen had a faith which could not be shaken. This evening, I am focusing on questions such as how do we respond to crisis how do you as an individual on call this evening respond to crisis how are you responding to that crisis that you're going through at the moment one thing you need to know is that sometimes when you're going through crisis you think that you're the only one going through that crisis so many times other believers around the world are facing similar challenges. The Bible presents us with characters in crisis a number of times. 
we have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane at that moment of crisis just before his crucifixion. Who surrenders it all to God and says, let your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. We have Moses rescues a people, an excited group of people who get stuck when they find the Red Sea. And they start screaming at him. They are asking him questions. Why didn't you leave us in Egypt to die? Why did you bring us here instead to die in the desert? So he's leading a faithless group of people, but we see the Lord coming in and changing that situation as well. We have a number of other characters, but this evening I want us to focus on Saul. Our focus is on Saul in the Old Testament. If you can go with me to 1 Samuel 13. We have Saul being threatened by his enemies. And at this point, we see him sacrificing unlawfully because he's afraid. He decides to run ahead of protocol. He decides to defy the laws simply because he's in crisis and he doesn't know how to respond. Friends, we need to know how to respond when in crisis. Saul panics. Like I already said earlier on, he breaks the law. And we know that just after he has finished with the sacrifice, the prophet Samuel actually comes in and tells him, what have you done? When in crisis, we should not act according to our emotions like Saul did but we should act according to God's way and according to his will. It is important for us not to act according to our emotions because emotions will mislead us. Emotions will cause us to act in haste. And when you act in haste, the Bible says you miss the way. So if right now you're in crisis, do not act according to your emotions. Because when you do, you lose the way and you'll also be misled. So be very careful how you react in crisis. Call on Jesus. He has been in crisis before and he is the master of handling crisis. Still looking at First uh, Samuel 13, 6 to 8. This time around, I want us to answer a few questions on who surrounds us when in crisis. Because the crowd that you surround with, the company you keep in crisis, can also influence your decision making. Verse 6 reads, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Don't forget, these, these, are, these are people who belong to the Lord. But now an enemy has shown up and they're hiding in pits, in holes, and in thickets. It's time for you to come out of your hiding and put your trust in God. Verse 7, and some of the Hebrews crossed over Jordan to Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. I want you to mark the words trembling. They were actually afraid. Verse 8 reads, Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. 
But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. See Saul acting in his own strength. Friends, when you're in crisis, do not act in your own strength. Lean on Jesus. Lean on him. Look to him. Cry out to him. Because only he and only he is your everlasting strength. Everything else will fail you, but Jesus will not fail you. His loving kindness and his mercies are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness, according to Lamentations chapter 3. So do not waver. Do not go ahead and make decisions and judgments that are not in line with his word. Saul was surrounded by a scared, fearful crowd, and this was a wrong move. So sometimes when you're in crisis, avoid making the wrong moves. Do not be swayed by the crowd. Do not use the worldly methods. Do not be under pressure to act, but instead be influenced by the word of God. Be propelled to ask. Be propelled to act by the word of God. Let the word of God guide you. Unlike Saul, we see Jesus in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46, retreating into prayer to commune with his father because he wanted to remain focused. In crisis, you must remain focused. It's very easy to lose focus when the doctors who are working on your patient disappear and maybe they don't come on to schedule that day to work on your patient. It's very easy for you to lose your focus when you're going through a time of loss. It is easy for you to lose your mind over all these things, but it is important for you to learn and to learn to pray. Retreat into the prayer mountain. Retreat into your closet. Retreat into your quiet place and seek the Lord. Commune with God just the way Jesus did. Samuel acts under pressure. I think I mentioned that. And the people whom he's supposed to be leading exert pressure on him to act foolishly by making the sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on Jesus. Fully trust in him. Do not go move ahead of God. Do not run ahead of God. Follow him. Follow him. So be careful who surrounds you when you're in crisis. The company you keep influences your decision-making. They influence your suggestions. And they'll also give you options on how best you can come out of that crisis. And sometimes they may offer ungodly solutions. During crisis, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 7, 54 to 56, we see that the crisis in Stephen's life has escalated. The mob is rioting. They're calling him names. They're whistling. And then we see him later on being stoned. But at this point, Stephen remained in tune with the Holy Spirit. So many times we disregard the work of the Spirit in our lives. But he is the only knowing person together with the Father and the Son who can, who can reveal hidden things to us. He reveals the future that you do not know. When you're going through crisis, it is very easy for you to look at the situation and only see what is before you. But this evening, I challenge you to look beyond your situation and to look unto Jesus. Stephan remains in tune with the Holy Spirit and he, he listens to God. He surrenders himself for the cause that God had created him for. So do not act in haste in any way when you're in crisis, but be guided by the Holy Spirit. I mean, he could have gotten up and 
maybe cool down hail and thunderstorm upon them. You could have probably gotten up and run away and gone into hiding. But his trust was in the Lord. He knew that even in this, Jesus is with me. Even in this, God is with me. I find it a little bit hard to talk about Stefan and not think about Daniel and his three friends when they were in the fiery furnace. Sometimes a crisis is like, um, like a furnace. Sometimes a crisis is like a fire outbreak. And you feel like it's burning you in your mind. It's burning up your soul. If it's a family crisis, you feel like your family is being wasted. If it is a challenge at work, you feel like you're going to lose your job. But look unto God. Look unto God and keep in tune with the Holy Spirit. And of course, you cannot keep in tune with the Holy Spirit unless if you are in the Word. Because without the Word, you're not connected. So plug in. This evening, I challenge you to plug in. Plug into that socket called the Holy Spirit. Plug in and, and you know read the Word. Let Him interpret Scripture for you during these trying times that you might be going through. Listen to the Holy Spirit because He will help you to maintain your focus. He will help you to take your focus off the situation and to put your focus on Jesus. Jesus is bigger than your situation. Sometimes when we say Jesus is bigger than your situation, some people might say, I've heard that over and over again, but now I have a cancer patient who is in the third stage or who is in the fourth stage. How is Jesus bigger than my situation? Jesus is as big as your faith. So raise your faith to another level this evening. Raise your faith above that situation and above what you see because he is above that crisis. He is above the thunderstorm. He is above the floods. He rises above the floods. He causes streams of living water to flow through desert places. You might be wondering where the next meal is going to come from because of a financial crisis in your home. And I know that because of COVID and the losses of jobs, a number of people have gone through financial crisis. Sometimes you hear people saying, we ate our last meal yesterday. And then you encourage them and tell them, even tomorrow you'll have a meal. So the crisis that we face is different. Sometimes some people have a crisis when they have plenty. That is a revelation that fell into my spirit when I was preparing this someone. You might have plenty, but the plenty that you have, the enemy has risen up and he's attacking you because of that plenty so it's not only those that lack that have crisis even those that have plenty first crisis so you might be here maybe you hold a big position maybe you you might not say i'm lacking food or i'm lacking school please take the children to school but maybe you have a disease or maybe you have an ailment. Maybe you have a challenge. Maybe you have a court case that has dragged on for years and you're saying, Lord, where are you in this crisis? This evening, I want to remind you that Jesus is bigger than your situation. Jesus is bigger than your crisis. Raise your faith and do not waver. Some crisis looks bigger because of our perception. So I'm saying change your perception and let your focus be on the eyes of the spirit. Um, so many times our judgment and our perception of life is clouded by the things we've gone through or the things we're going through at the moment. But this evening, friends, I invite you to put on spiritual glasses. Even that crisis that you're going through, God has already overcome. See your situation through the eyes of the Spirit. 
topic. You may not see who is fighting for you on the other side, but this evening I am reminded that Jesus is fighting for you. Feed your spiritual man with the word of God and let the word of God control you. Let the word of God guide you. Let the word of God guide your reaction. When you read the word, verses will make meaning during that season that you're going through. Some verses will come new. They will come to life. In Jeremiah 32, verse 27, the Lord says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Psalm 46 reads, God is our strength and a refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 46, verse 10 still, it reads, Be still and know that I am Lord. God is calling you to be still. He's not calling you to run all over the place and lose your head and lose your faith and, and you know, be angry about life and be angry about your situation and be angry about your workmen's. God is calling you to be still. And only and only when you are still will he come into your situation and fight on your behalf. I will soon be coming to a close but before I Friends, get into the habit of being prayerful. Even on the border border, you can pray. Take off time at your workplace and pray. In verse 59 to 60, as the rocks rained down on Stephen, he prayed. So take on a defensive position before a crisis even comes. Do not get into the habit of praying only during a crisis, but pray before the crisis comes. I do hope that you can still hear me. So when in distress, the psalmist cried out to God, Psalm 102, verse 1, Hear my prayer, Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. The psalmist says, do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. He says, turn your ear to me, and when I call, answer me quickly. When you fight on your knees, the Lord will answer you quickly. Like I said in the beginning, do not only pray when you're in the middle of crisis. Learn to pray before the crisis comes. I call, I call those crisis prayers, sometimes they turn out to be fire brigade prayers because you're trying to put out a fire that has already started and it is spreading. But when you cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, the enemy will find you ready. Anytime he comes, he will find you ready. You have your baton, you have your bazooka with you, the bazooka of prayer. So friends, prepare appropriately before crisis. Prepare for crisis, prepare for crisis through prayer, through daily prayer, through reading the word. I also want to encourage you that you can call Jesus into your situation at any time and he will come. So if you are calling on sons of men, they may disappoint you. If you are trusting in your own strength, you might be disappointed. But Jesus is that fourth man in the fire. Jesus is that fourth man who comes into the fire with you so that you do not burn. Daniel and his friends did not burn. You will not burn. If you are on this call this evening and you're facing a challenge that you feel is engulfing you, it is suffocating you, this evening I want to remind you that Jesus 
is with you in this crisis. Just entrust that situation to him. It might be an office-related challenge. You do not need to take that bribe. You do not need to bribe that judge. You do not need to cut corners for this crisis to come to an end. The Lord is fighting on your side. You simply need to invite him into your situation. When you read, um, uh, I was reading a portion of scripture still uh, where Jonathan goes out to fight, but he's still in First Samuel. And Jonathan goes out to fight the Philistines. And this time around, he had no army. And he made a very important statement in chapter 14, verse 6. He says, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You may feel small. You may feel that your family is too small. You may feel like the resources you have are too small. But nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So in this crisis that you're facing, it is time for you to put your trust in the right place. It is time for you to anchor your faith in the right place or upon the right rock. If your faith was misplaced this evening, I pray that you will repent and put your trust in Jesus. This evening, I'm praying for your strength. I'm praying for your strength that you will be strengthened. That strength will rise for those that wait upon the Lord. Everyone that is waiting upon the Lord will call this evening. I pray that your strength will be renewed like that of an eagle. I pray for you to overcome. I pray for you to put your trust in the right place. Because only Jesus can help you to overcome that crisis. Do not grow weary of Jesus. I pray for those on call this evening. And I pray for each and every individual. I pray that you have in the time of crisis. They may not share their issues on call at the moment. They may not pour out their hearts on call at the moment. But you know what they are going through. May you take over. May you take over. In Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Madam Tina. The word was so clear. The sharing was so encouraging and showing us what we could do in, in Christ. Thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to use you. So we receive the word of God from you and from the Holy Spirit. And you are strong because we are guided and kept under the shadow of the Almighty. We are strong because we know that in every Christ, we shall pray for the presence of God to remain with us. So may the Lord bless you and bless your family, bless your work. Bless you so as you go and as you come. Bless everything that you plan to do. Anoint you 
to continue to serve him. Give him, give you strength to read the word of God and to understand the God you serve. May the Lord bless you so much. We thank you and we are blessed to hear from you. And we are blessed and we thank God that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us. He teaches us according to our understanding and he helps us slowly, slowly to understand the God we serve. So you, you, you showed us many things we have heard and we, I do not have to go through many of them. But you told us to wait, to wait on the Lord. Put our trust in the Lord. Call upon the Lord in every Christ. And we should know that each of us has got a, a different time of a Christ. The crises are not the same. There's something which impressed me so much. You said that we never know when the Christ will come. But we should always remember that the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And the God of good time is the God of bad time. So brethren, let us be strengthened that our God is us on the mountain us in the valley, with us in Christ. It is with us, is with us in peace. Let us continue to follow him. So let us pray. We praise you, God, for the word what you shared. We praise you, Jesus, that you never leave us. That we have that promise from you that will not forsake us. As you told Joshua, you told him that as you were with Moses, you will also be with him. So, Father God, we know that you promised that you will always be with us. That when we pass through the water, it will not take us. When we go through the fire, it will not burn us. Thank you that you, your presence makes us whole. Your presence makes us strong. Your presence reminds us that you are there. And if you are with us, who can be against us? We thank you, Lord, for this word. We thank you, Lord, that your presence make a difference. We humble ourselves before you on the throne of grace. That is by the grace of God that we are saved. It is by the grace of God that the word of God help us to go through any challenge we go through, because the challenges comes without notice, but your presence 
make us strong. Your servant Stephen died looking up because he knew that your presence is with him. Father God, it is our prayer that we always feel your presence. We pray to the Holy Spirit not to sin against him, not to quench the work of the Holy Spirit, to know the way, to hear his voice. So even this evening, it is our prayer, Father God, that we will hear a word from you. Like Samuel said, Lord, speak because your servant is listening. So we pray that God open our inner ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit tell you to do? Do it. I like that time when Jesus was the kind of Galilee. His mother said that whatever he tells you, do it. And when he told them, it was a miracle. So when we hear properly, the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we understand that is God speaking, then a miracle happens. Then we understand this is the way. Then we understand our calling. Brethren, it is very, very important that we know our calling. What is your calling in this world? What is the gift that the Lord has given to you? And how are you going to use it? The presence of the Holy Spirit help us to understand what we should do. So it is my prayer that the Lord help us to listen, to be attentive, to know who you are, to know the God we serve, the God of a miracle, to understand that your word is always true, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that you have eternal life. Help us to understand, my Father, my God. We can do nothing without you. We believe a miracle-working God. We are waiting upon your feet, O Lord. Even in all the crises, even what we see and we do not see, even what is going on in our families, in our homes, in the church, what is happening in the body of Christ, what is happening in the country? We are believing that God's presence will help us to overcome all crises. So we, we love you, O oh Lord Jesus. We believe in you. We are trusting you this evening that whenever we pray, whenever we call upon you, you hear us and you guide us. 
So brethren, be strengthened in the Lord. Continue to sit at his feet and wait until he tell you what to do. I pray that you will depend on him to know your calling. I pray that no Christ will be too big for him. I pray that even in a life or in death, he's with us. That we will be strong. That we learn from the people who went before us. Some people who know about the history of the church tell us how the disciples of Jesus died and it is brightening. And you would say that, suppose that happens to me, can I stand? And I continue to say that I love Jesus. Give her that boldness. Increase our faith in you. Strengthen our faith, O Lord Jesus, that we may continue to know you. We thank you that you, you no longer call us servants, but we are your children, but we are friends. You are a friend of a sinner. And you paid a big price, Lord Jesus. You paid a big price. A precious blood was shed that every sinner who come to you become, you, 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 be, you, yeah, you change him and he become a child of God. So children of God, I thank you for listening to us for listening to Tina, for listening to the Holy Spirit. It has been my pleasure and love to all of you to remind you and to remind myself that Jesus loves us so much. He knows every crisis and the challenge we go through. We continue to believe in him. And we pray that his presence will continue to be with us.